What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 71 of the Lombard Trucking Show. So glad to have you here. Got a fantastic guest with me today, an iconic radio DJ on Sirius XM, an employee of our allies over there at Freight Waves. Uh, so without any further delay, let's get right into the episode. I have Miss Grace Sharkey at the show. Welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Like super excited to, to be on. Miss, uh, I said I missed that 69 episode, but uh, 71 will do. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, there's always episode 169, yes. so we'll, 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 we'll get there. Lucky, luckily for us, the Arabic numeral system uh, gives, <laughs> just, is the gift that keeps on giving. So yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have the ladies on for 169. We'll get you, we'll get Blythe. We'll get, uh, you know, we'll find some of your other uh, pre-Mac. Pre-Mac. Oh, yeah. Rachel. Boom. Right there. (laughs) We have our three. Awesome. It's set up. So count on it. Episode 169, which is going to come quicker than you think, because we're just going to, you know, I'm going to be talking to as many people as possible. I've got a lot of drivers who've been reaching out to me now. They're like, oh, hey, man. Yeah, I want to talk and tell their stories. So. That's that's the goal here is to just keep this conversation going. But I'm I'm very glad to have you here. You have a great story, an interesting story that got you to where you're at today. So yeah, tell tell everybody. So where are you from? What what did you do? How did we get here? Yeah, how did we get here? It's a wild ride. I mean, I so I'm from uh, Lansing, Michigan. For all you Michiganders, you know how this works, right about here. Uh, like an old map. Um, still here actually. I moved to Grand Rapids for a while, but I uh, went to Michigan State University for law and my goal actually was to go into politics i've done a little bit of work uh, in nonprofits and different groups uh in college uh and of course that during uh in high school actually and then in college as well and uh ended up uh spending and paying for school through michigan state fundraising so uh half the day i would go to school the other half i would jump on the phones are actually if you ever seen Spartan Stadium, uh, our headquarters were in Spartan Stadium. We would go there from 5.30 to well, 4 o'clock to about 9 o'clock at night and call alumni and, and ask for cash for scholarships and, and things of that nature. And uh, so the thing, how I got introduced to supply chain or brokerage in particular was uh, that was a lot of on the phone uh, soliciting go- objectives, of course. I mean, the chances of us getting a pledge, I think, percentage wise was um, about 16 percent of most calls. So you hear no all day long, pretty much. Right. And that attracted a lot of the big Chicago boys. So during recruiting season, CH would come to our job. They get us all off the phone. We'd talk to them about the work that they're doing. And a lot of our staff would go and join brokerages after um, graduating from Michigan State. So uh, honestly, a lot of this is like how just kind of uh, fate in a way. So when I graduated, my uh, father had a pretty terrible stroke and I um, didn't really want to leave the area uh, to to help out my family and um, also needed to pay back student loans. And here's the great thing about nonprofit work. You don't make a lot of money doing it. So I was like, I need to, I need to find something with a salary, something that I'm not writing grants for basically something steady so I can, you know, start paying back, start paying rent, all that, you know, the adult stuff. And uh, there was a opening on our load, our job board at Michigan State for a startup brokerage. And so the owner uh, and one other person at the time had started uh, building up a brokerage. I didn't really know too much about building one, but I knew what CH and them were basically doing at that time. 
I knew I was good on the phone. I knew I I led teams fundraising before. So for me, I was like, okay, well, this could get me to management faster and a better track. So I joined uh, the startup of Fifth Wheel Freight. And at the time, we're in downtown Lansing in this like basement office. It's kind of funny to look back at. Um, and then the three of us just started pounding the phones. Next thing you knew, we we're pulling more people and friends from uh, MSU Green Line, which is the fundraising group. And uh, eventually, from that was about 2013 uh, up until uh, 2012. 20 yeah november 2020 uh we had built that up to about 80 million dollars moved the headquarters up to grand rapids had a little over 100 employees and it was a wild ride i mean it, i'm really grateful for it because i feel like it gave me a business degree without having to pay for it and having but also like a startup business degree which is really different and uh, i've been able to take a lot of those practices even here to freight waves where you know, in a startup, you're making decisions fast, right? And it's it's not always going to be about making perfect decisions, but it's about, you know, figuring out as fast as possible what's best for the company and the growth structure and, and executing that as strongly and as quickly as possible. So uh, I really enjoyed that experience. I ended up uh, leaving there, starting to consult a little bit with a few of my friends who are looking to get into the trucking industry. And then one of my really good friends, and, and honestly, at the time, I had become pretty close to Dooner uh, over at Freight Waves, Kevin Hill. Uh, I used to call into their Sirius XM show on Saturdays, which is like, you know, I, I'm really into like signs from God and, and, and things like that. So it's just kind of interesting to see what I'm doing now, right, with Sirius and like looking back at all those times I called in. But um, I, I spoke uh, with my really good friend, Ryan Schreiber, who works for Metaphora. And he was like, you should go write for them. I think you would be good for it. You have, you, you know, exactly a lot of the tech in this industry from demoing it and testing it out inside our, our own four walls at fifth wheel. And, uh, and I also, I, I didn't really enjoy the writing that I was seeing at the time from freight waves on freight tech because it didn't really, I, I wanted to make sure that the audience was leaving with an idea of like, if this was good for them, a lot of times freight tech writing can make it seem like this is the best product for everyone in the tech or the freight environment. Right. And that's like, absolutely not true. Some, some tech is better for small, medium sized companies. Some's going to be harder to implement or might be like a Thor's hammer for small companies. So it's more of like a large enterprise type of system. And I want readers to to be able to read my content and say like, okay, this might be something that's good for me, or maybe this isn't good for me. But as we scale, it's an option that's out there. So, I I, I took a chance, wrote a couple of uh, articles. They they liked it and and jumped on board. And I'm also unfortunately the type of person that like likes to stay busy and and has a problem saying no to really great opportunities that come in front of me. So uh, I started off with like, as just like a staff writer, but responsible for like five, six articles a week, and then took on two podcasts, actually three at one point with transmission. Um, and then about a year into freight waves, Kevin Hill called. I remember it cause I was driving he called me and he's like, would you want to do Sirius XM? And I, I told him like, I would like to think about it, but I mean, seriously, Lombard, like people go to school and like spend years doing 4am radio just to get an 
like weird time on any channel, let alone five to 7 PM on Sirius XM. So I told him, well, let me think about it, but I'm honestly an idiot if I call you tomorrow and tell you no. So, um, yeah, just really blessed. And, and it's, it's just funny because, you know, you, you graduate and you think life is going to go a certain way. And if you would have told me at 21 years old that I would be running a talk show on Sirius XM for truckers, I tell you, you're an idiot, but, uh, it's, it's just what life unfolds. So it's been a, a hell of a journey. That's for sure. No, that's awesome. Number one, I just want to give a quick shout out to Lansing, Michigan. I had a friend I went to college with who worked for the Lansing Lug Nuts. I <laughs> go nuts. This is our time. No, this I worked there for all of like high school, and that's uh, I love Lansing Lug Nuts. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how familiar I am with Lansing. But man, this this is a really cool story. So Michigan State. What years were you at Michigan State? I was there. I, I was a good old uh, five-year gal. I wasn't finishing it in four years. Not that college lifestyle, uh, especially after freshman year, uh, 2008 to 2013. Ah, uh, okay. It's uh, so, so not, yeah. So we're around the same age. I was just trying to guesstimate that. Sorry. I don't want to, I know I don't want to give away that type of info. Uh, you know, oh yeah, no there. problem. I didn't know if you were trying to keep that anon or not, but um, no, I just, my experience with Michigan state was uh, during the 2014 March madness. Uh, I got into a Twitter argument with a guy who tried to tell me that um, he thought that uh, <laughs> J- uh, Jerry, he thought that Sandusky was a better person than Jim Calhoun. <laughs> and uh we and we got you know we got in this basketball argument and i was like oh my god this was like the first real twitter argument i got and this guy tried to say that a, a pedophile was better than, than that. <laughs> and he was a michigan state fan he threatened to drive up to new haven he wanted to fight me and beat the shit out of me but no that, that it's that's awesome you went to like a legitimate school that's uh pretty interesting though so ch robinson is like that's that's these some of these brokerages recruiting tech is they're finding the kids who are doing cold calls yeah. And and I'm familiar with those alumni phone calls because the school I went to, University of New Haven, they're common for calling people. And I bet you their percentage rate of it, of donations is probably close to is probably closer to one percent than it is. <laughs> yeah. So sixteen percent for alumni donations. Schools like Michigan State, they're better at fundraising because people were like proud to go there. It yeah, more, more legacy. Well, and we are actually we're the only student run program in the nation. So everyone up to everyone up to even managing had to have be t- been taking credit. So like from literally I'm, no one there was like over the age of like 24. It was really cool to like see all of us coming together and building our own thing. And like we had it was a really fun time and we had a lot of fun implementing new processes and like coming up with goals and different strategies and uh but also with like your companions you know it's uh that i think created such a strong environment that led to such such success and yeah that's like coyote a lot of pretty much every single big brokerage out of chicago area would find their way up there to to recruit from us and but the problem was is like by the time i was a junior a lot of my friends who had graduated you know, I kind of saw that burn and churn inside the brokerage. So I was like, well, if I'm going to go into this, I'm going to go into this where I'm going to end up being a manager because my biggest fear was like, I get two years into something and I hate it and I want to move on to something else. So um, decided to take this more startup route and it it worked out pretty well. No, I I love this story of the startup route because I mean, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of universities that offer entrepreneurship yeah, as like a major, I think that mm-hmm. is a, a field of study at certain schools. It, it wasn't at the school of business where I went to school, but as far as I 
have have known and maybe listeners can correct me but i think entrepreneurship is something people go to school for but reality how do you how do you learn that yeah you learn it by what you did like the the trial by fire actually just getting in with a startup and seeing everything unfold in front of you and figuring these things out that's the only like you you got better experience than any yeah any degree can get you like I, i remember so vividly the first day like uh when we started getting checks in and stuff like that. And uh, the biggest problem that like we ran into, it's like three of us in the office just trying to figure it out. We had a huge customer who wasn't paying their bills and they finally, you know, sometimes customers, they take forever to respond to that kind of stuff, of course. And they came back and like, well, you haven't sent a BOL. Like we weren't even sending BOLs or PODs with invoices. Like just small stuff like that. We're like, Oh my God, like we need a process for this, you know? And it's like, it was just super cool. I love problem solving and I love, I love operations. And even in, in this job, like I have to pull myself back and be like, you know, it's, this isn't your job. Just deal with the operation that are, are what they are. But I, man, if I see a problem, I have to like bite my tongue to not fix it. So it's uh, it was a fun for someone like that, who just is looking for problems to solve all day. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, ch- chasing down people to get the bills paid is something that people don't think about. They think what starting a business is just, yeah. oh, I, I make product or I acquire product, sell it, and that person pays me. And it's like, well, not not really. I did that at the the where, the wholesaler I worked at. There'd be customers who'd come in. They'd be trying to buy uh, a plethora of like plumbing supplies for a job that they're doing. And I'd have to go tell the the pl- like the plumber or this guy, and, you know, oh, you know, the transact, you know, it would give me this alert that I couldn't process the transaction because his boss hasn't paid his bills. Yeah. And then you've got to, and then you've got to solve that problem off the jump. And granted, that's not from a startup standpoint, but the panicking from the startup standpoint, this is a business that doesn't really have, you don't have funds yet. You're trying to keep the cash flow coming exactly. so you can keep paying your bills. And that, once again, that, you know, that or that trial by fire is like absolute, it's the experience is like, that's, um, trying to think that's in like uh trying to think of the word it has to do with like a priceless experience yeah like that like that you can't buy that you can't go out and get it you actually have to get into it and and do it which i think is awesome and even and i love that you mentioned what you did with the cold calling uh because things people don't get especially in the trucking industry and we brought this up on the show is like uh how how much sales goes across different industries like you know if whether yes. you're whether you're in a trade whether you're a plumber a, a welder an hvac guy whatever if you're somebody who wants to get into business sales you're gonna have to need to know how to sell are there people who got in you know are there these awkward people who started businesses and eventually became rich sure but for yes. the part, somebody probably helped them sell but if yes. you're going to be an owner operator so like if you're going to start a trucking business, even if you're leased onto a carrier, but if you, especially if you want to get your own, you know, authority or you want to become a carrier, you've got to learn how to sell. Cause if you don't, other carriers are going to, to, you know, get that, get that money in place. So this, no, this is important stuff. And then anybody who wants to get in the logistics world, like if you want to work in any corner of logistics, you have to talk, you, you better be ready for the phone. You got a, a thousand percent. I'd say, I think sometimes I feel really bad for for drivers in particular when i hear a lot of like these like horror stories or sometimes recordings right between brokers and carriers it's like 
uh, for some reason, the driver all uh, tends to sometimes go at the sales approach so aggressively. And a lot of times I think if people just, if came into the conversation more calm, this is what I need to run my business. Can you get to that point? Yes or no. Then it can, can become such a deeper conversation. And um, that's, that's what I'm hoping even some of this technology out there can help do inside a brokerage is like give reps more time to have those deeper conversations to allow carriers to open up a little bit more and say, listen, like this rate that you posted is absolute garbage. That's fine. But like, explain to me why it's not good, at least for you, because you know how the market is depending on where you came from or how one driver might get paid a lot of money to go into a really bad market. And one carrier might end just uh, got in the wrong circumstance and ended up in a bad market. And those are two different types of sales as a broker, right? Uh, one carrier will probably take it just to get back to where he was at. And the other one's looking to get himself out of a hole. And I think if, if we could discover more of those conversations on the phone, right. And this technology, I think, especially when we talk about tracking, I know drivers hate that, but if I, as a broker can see that you, are really in need of some funds and you got into this terrible market through another terrible market, I'm probably likely to be more uh, uh, helpful to you and try to find you some more money. Whereas vice versa, if you just uh, ranked in uh, thinking about what you two, right? Like these heavy loads. And I know that you just like, just need this load to get home. Then we're probably going to negotiate it down or something a little bit more fair. So I, it's funny you talk about sales in this industry and it's, it's all over the place. And that's why it's just funny. Like, I'm sure you get this as a salesperson too. Like uh, it gets to a point where you almost want to like cut it all away because it just starts to like become this like sales facade. And if we could just have a normal conversation about what each business needs to stay afloat in that lane by lane transaction or spot transaction, uh, then I think we could all grow a lot faster let alone contract discussions. Right. So uh, yeah, I think it, it is totally sales all day long in this industry and you might not think it, but it, it definitely is, is in there hard. Yeah. And it's sales. And, and with that, like you said, you eventually have to humanize it and, you know, lead it into building relationships. So you, you know, so you worked at this brokerage, you know, you helped grow this thing. Um, I believe the name was, you uh, Forgive me. What the name was? Five star. Fifth wheel uh, freight. Fifth, Close. Fifth wheel. Yep. Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, you're good. Yeah. Not, not fifth wheel transport because there is like a fifth wheel transport in like Texas that does not have a good review. So it's like <laughs> not that one. It's the one in Michigan. <laughs> uh, okay. So fifth wheel. I like that. I like that name though. It's pretty cool. Relevant. Yeah. Relevant to trucking as well. So you grow this company. You know why? Uh, you know what got you? What got you out of there? Well, how'd they? You know how'd you end up leaving? So. Uh, Honestly, it got to a point where um, I think for me, looking back at it, I had outgrown the situation. I'd spent a lot of time, right? I was in operations. My goal was to um, take our, uh, really take our business structure and try to do more, not with less, but do more operationally better. And at the time we're, we're really at this point where we had to really focus on a buy sell to more of a, uh, sorry, a cradle to grave situation to more of a buy sell model. Do you know what that is? If I, 
Do you have no go go into that because yeah. I, I want to know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, a, a cradle to grave model is more of like I believe what like Access America used to be, right? It's like an agent based model, kind of like Landstar, where you uh, not only are finding shippers and buying the freight, but you're also finding the carrier. And as a human being, you can only grow your book of business to like so much before you're capped out on time, right? Like you don't have enough time to to call more shippers because you've got so many loads that you're working on. So as you're growing a brokerage, then you have this really great employee who is killing it in sales and wants to make more. And of course they do. That's the American dream. You should set your business up for that, but they, they physically can't. So they start to get frustrated. So then what do you do? You start to pair them with like a carrier rep, right. To help handle the load so that sales rep can go sell. And now that's starting to organically turn into like a buy sell model where you have one person buying and you have one person selling to carriers. Uh, but to do that throughout a full operation efficiently, you really have to start splitting up those two groups. Um, for example, let's say that we're two sales reps and we have two different books and we both are working a lane that's going from uh, Detroit, Michigan to Dallas, Texas. Your customer has... I'm going to throw right out there that I know it's wrong, but I'm just throwing numbers out there. Your customer has $2,000 on it. My customer has 18 and we have one carrier, right? That can go on it. Well, the way that the systems were working, I, I might take that carrier first. Now the business makes, uh, let's say we get the carrier for like 1600. Now the business just made $200, right? Well, I just lost out on the opportunity of letting you use the carrier and the business making 400 and me possibly, you know what I mean? It's finding someone else. And so it, it that's becomes an issue. And so you want to start splitting them up so that you can start leveraging the shipper network and the carrier network to the best of their capabilities. And I think a lot of times you'll see freight technologies talk about this uh, more of like, especially brokerage technology is like, uh, as leveraging your network. That's what they're talking about. It's like that situation right there, making sure that you're putting the right carrier on the right load. That's not only advantageous for them, but advantageous for everyone as a whole. Right. Um, and so that's what I was like really working on. And I think, honestly, I don't think the business was, we just weren't all on the same page of how we wanted to, to grow that because with that, I'll be very honest with you. And you see this, you saw this with Coyote with that change in model, you got to cut commissions. You have to restructure the whole commission structure. You're likely going to change salaries around because now, even though that one sales rep was making a lot of money covering the whole book, well, I got Joe Schmo over here now as part of your operating costs. So um, that stuff is like, and I really love doing that stuff. And that's, I, I was having a lot of like, uh, fun working on that even though with that comes really tough conversations and really tough choices i don't think the business as a whole was looking to move as fast as we were so really my work started to dwindle there wasn't unless we were going to fully execute this right startup style like there's not much we can do and and here's the thing about here's the thing about businesses that i i love and i really hate and I write them too. And I really hate layoff articles because this kind of thing happens. It's like, 
a business can make a, a good money doing whatever uh, so many different ways. So like, for example, fifth wheel can make a lot of money, not doing that transition. They could make a lot of money doing the transition. It's just about as a team where you want to go. So I ended up leaving there and saying, well, I still have all these skills and I have people around me at the time that were catching on to what I was doing and really wanted to get into the trucking side of the industry. And that was something I more wanted to get my hands into. I had met a lot of people in the trucking industry and had a couple of people who were interested in backing, uh, if I had gone fully down that route, building a, a trucking company as well. Uh, but then I started, I just love the consulting aspect of it. I love being able to uh, get in there, find, see other people's problems, other businesses problems and help them solve them. That's I think when we talk about like, what do you want to do in life? People have to really think about their passions and what they really enjoy. And for me, it's, I really enjoy educating people on how they could get better in life. And, and, that includes myself too, right? Like uh, taking those same steps. It's not just talking the talk, but having to walk the walk as well. And so I learned so much at this point and I just felt like it was just all being underutilized. So I started consulting a little bit, getting people, a couple of my friends from college into the, the trucking industry, at least getting them the right opportunities. And then one of my friends, I had always talked about, you know, possibly joining freight waves and, and being a part of it. I'd watched it grow since it was a blog. And I, I like remember the day that they put GrowPros on and started like filming to like this day. I just, I like can vividly see it. And I just, I thought it was so cool. Like what a cool idea. I was, I'm a huge fan of like CNBC. It's on my TV, like 24 seven. And like, if we could do this for like our industry, it could be so informative. And then like, helped me learn already. Like I can't imagine what we could help other people learn and, and grow their business. And, and so, yeah, I, I joined it and I started doing podcasts and getting my hands in it. And I just, I think what I've found over the last two years is that I, I love making content. I love making fun types of, of videos and articles that people can enjoy and read, but I also love educating people like, I mean, some of my favorite episodes on point of sale are like, I mean, I just did a half an episode on the history of selling ice. Like, <laughs> like that's, it's just that kind of stuff. So cool. And it was so interesting to like, even see now, like the different ways that we're packaging ice and like different ways that we're making artificial ice and stuff like that. And, and, and there's gonna be someone out there who I'm sure could take that information and start servicing the ice industry, you know? So it's like, that's what I really love and enjoy and about this whole journey is like, I, I was really raised in like this in a blue collar family where it's like, you know, we set life up for you to do something bigger and better than the rest of us. And, and so I'm in this opportunity where I'm like a chief strategy officer and I just hate it. Like I, I hate it because I didn't like the team around me and I didn't like some of the culture that was happening. And I just, I was, making this excuse up for a life just to be a c-level executive like for what just to like showcase to people and I, I just hope people understand like you can be so productive and you can be so happy in life by doing like what you're doing now and doing what I'm doing and what and what it might not be the easiest path but a path that God has laid forward for you right and it's uh so I think that's like it's I just if I could go back to college and tell people like, don't leave here expecting and like focused on like becoming a boss. Like no one 
gives a shit at the end of the day. Like they care about what you bring to this world and like executing that. And it's, so it's, it's just been, I'm so grateful for the opportunity because I learned so much that's become so much value to me now. But I also learned that like, there's so many different ways to be happy in life. And what I'm doing right now is a hundred percent part of that happiness. Now that that's really well said. I'm, and I'm glad the way you worded it because yeah, people have this idea from going to school and getting into management and how it was because I was convinced that that was like a, a path that I was like had to take. And the reality is there's a big difference between adding value to a company and yeah. value to people's lives. Now you can do both. I'm not saying yes. that, that yes. both can't be done, um, especially if you're like a good leader, but depending on the business. But if you're just working in this business to simply continue to add to the value of this of this company, you know, are you adding value to other people's lives? Are you adding value to, you know, and it's 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 it's, it's a conversation to be had. And what's, what's crazy is there's a lot of people in your same situation who end up coming to drive a truck for yeah. that same for that same reason. You know, there's lawyers out here. There's doctors out here. There are PhDs. Um, there are people who've come from, you know, all different, all different corners of the globe and from different sorts of careers. I mean, a lot of these, some of these Punjabi, uh, trucking companies that are headquartered out in California, uh, like in central California area, like Bakersfield and stuff, a lot of these Punjabi people. And I got this and I've listened to this and on, on uh, long haul Paul's show over the road, he had mentioned about how one of these gentlemen, he owns a carrier, but back in India, he was like, a you know, this guy was like an engineer and there's yeah. a lot of these guys who came over in the, the eighties and nineties after the civil war over there. You know, these guys were, you know, civil engineers, doctors, but none of their uh, professionalism like translated over here in the U S yeah. and, and they also couldn't speak English that well. And so similar to, and so in similar ways to like how my family did a hundred years ago, not speaking English that well, they got into trucking which is, you yeah. know, it's, it's, so it's sort of cool to see that, that even people, so, so that story everywhere in logistics make, you know, makes a lot of sense. I'm curious about the ice thing myself, because <laughs> I've been told that, you know, or, or what's in this book about, you know, my family, about Italian families from Waterbury is they used to bring ice up to restaurants in the Litchfield Hills in the Northwest corner of Connecticut. And I'm curious how that ice was curated. I'm curious, uh, like it was in blocks as far as I knew. Yeah, well, it, it, so when I started off the episode, it's uh, there's this guy. It, it is actually like, and it, this is why it's such an American thing, right? To have ice cold drinks. Um, it, it, I, from what I've heard, they would chip it out of like lakes and like different, which goes back to like the health concern of all that. But um, it, it, this guy, his name is Frederick Tudor, uh, 1806, took, uh, filled a. a, a sounded like he just chipped it out of like area lakes and, and different regions and uh filled a whole ship full of ice and took that straight to the caribbean sold it i mean it's you are kind of stealing from the environment so it's not like the overhead costs are that insane like let's be honest there's uh, labor back then was a little bit easy to get your hands on for the low yeah. uh and yeah. uh <laughs> a different type of investment but uh uh yeah and he he just started like shipping ice all over the world and like it was just such a fancy thing and uh and now it's like more artificially made right and these like giant like freeze systems but yeah they would just it sounded like he was just like 
chipping it off of like blocks out of like large freshwater beds and and just moving it around which is like kind of gross i mean listen i there's some areas of lake michigan i would probably drink the water but it's still (laughs) kind of interesting to think like that's all you had to do but yeah it was a very interesting it's the reason i brought it up is because uh starbucks is switching over to good old nugget ice i don't know if you saw my uh poll best ice out there and so i was like well why are we so obsessed with ice so much in this country and that's it actually stems from because because we originated it go figure right no i think the number one it's also it crushed ice is definitely the the worst i don't like it but for an economic but for the consumer at starbucks i think crushed ice is probably better because you probably get more product whereas i think when you use the the half crescents i don't know what those are yes. like regular cues i think you get less product out of out of that so that's that it's interesting to hear about starbucks i'm gonna have to go down there today or tomorrow and check that out so uh, but the water back then in the great lakes if he's taking icebox out of then it was probably a little bit cleaner true yes that's very true <laughs> Yes, especially yeah, eighteen oh six, right? It's probably not too much pollution or anything in that at that untouched. point. Yeah, because, and if, when it comes to because it because obviously this goes into the evolution of like refrigerated trailers, and I think it was. Yes. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it wasn't Anheuser Busch like one of the first people to use refrigerated rail cars? I'm pretty certain. I feel like I've read that somewhere, but I, uh, I I'm not a hundred percent on that. But that would make sense, right? Uh, seeing how old they are too, because that would put them right, right around back then as well. Yeah, yeah. That was, interesting. That was like that was like their dream. Like it that from the get go, they were like, we're gonna be the the national beer of the of this country. Like uh, I went to the Anheuser Busch Brewery in St. Louis when I was on a reset once. And uh, yeah, it's it that was really fascinating. I think anybody who's who's into logistics should 100% go there because because I mean supply they, they essentially they did revolutionize supply chain with the advancement of railroad, obviously. But like I mean, they were probably one of the first to really capitalize on it. Because yeah. a lot of people don't realize that even up until the 19, essentially really up until like the I want to say the 80s, it was like it, at least in Connecticut, like when it comes to beer, when you went to the bar. Like if you went to the bar in New Haven, the beer you drank was essentially made very regionally. Like you drank, you know, Hulls, Lager. Like there was only, yes. they would only have like four four or five beers on tap. There was no hundred taps. You would get four or five beers. They'd all be made in the area. And then it would be Bud, Bud Light, Coors. That that was yeah. it. Like, and, and that's, and then, so the, the evolution of the supply chain, you know, beer definitely was a huge part of that. But that's interesting about the the ice. I love that stuff. Well, you know, Michigan, too, we're a big beer uh, state here, too. We got Founders and Bells are both here. Um, I think there's another big one I'm not thinking of in in Detroit, too. But it's it's funny you say that because uh, uh, there's Two Hearted is, like, my favorite beer of all time. And uh, I'm noticing as more and more I travel, the farther and farther it's getting out. And it's uh, I I love that. I'm a big IPA type of person, too. So as much as I love but like in college right <laughs> i'll take the other choices if i had to so yeah. i'm more of a local beer type of chick anyway no I, de- I definitely respect good beer i have a good friend who who makes beer back in connecticut his name's sean peel he, he's helped to several breweries make beers and yeah i know what good beer is but his favorite beer is budweiser you know and he, he makes awesome. like these he makes these insane ipas like counterweights uh know headway he's made these like very famous local beers 
but he like loves Budweiser, Coors Light. Me too. I'll always be a Bush Light respecter. Like that's essentially what I what I go for. But I, you mentioned Founders. Founders all day IPAs are really good. Yes, really good beer. all day. Oh, yes. yeah. Founders all day. It's really good. So let's see. So you 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 know you end up leaving this brokerage. You want to get into consulting. I have some friends who do consulting too. And similar personalities. I think it's consulting is an industry that I don't think is talked about a lot. You know, it's funny. There's, I don't, you don't see a lot on YouTube. You don't see people talking about on TikTok. Nobody's trying to pitch consulting as a form of passive income. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. what, what, you know, what, say somebody out there is listening and they, and they're similar to you. They have experience in an industry, say, you know, in, in an industry, how does somebody break into consulting? Like where, where would you start at that level? Yeah. It's like, First of all, I love that. Like, uh, consulting is so funny too, because I will say this weekend, my niece was like reading my article I had in our Freightways magazine. And she's like, What does consulting mean? And I go, Well, it's basically someone pays you for your thoughts. Like, you know, it's like, She's like, That's a thing. I'm like, Yeah. And well, that is kind of the thing. But it's, it's really what I love about it is its ability to kind of enter a new space and give your thoughts and ideas. And I think for anyone in this industry who feels like they are very passionate about their, their niche of what they do in the industry, right? Like marketing, I think is a huge one. Blythe, Blythe's like perfect, right? Like Blythe is so good at taking a topic and turning it into a whole marketing pitch, whether it's creating a podcast or build or creating a blog post or a capturing the audience. That's the key, right? It's like you can take anything. If you're a marketing consultant or a specialist or an expert, you should be able to take a topic uh, and be able to drive that into the meta metaverse internet, et cetera, and capture an audience and capture uh, the, the, the audience that you're looking for. Right. In her case uh, for, for her in particular, you know, she's bringing on a lot of really great companies and not only is she sharing their stories, but she's actually at the same time capturing the audience to understand what that company is trying to do or what that person is trying to achieve in the growth of uh, whatever they're trying to accomplish. And I think that is like so powerful for me. I actually would like to get more into like what Blythe's doing as well. Like, I think that is really fun taking, uh, cause trust me, like I see some of some of the like marketing or like uh, PR responses from, from companies. And I'm like, like, no, this is not going to work. I can't tell you how many press releases I've seen where I'm like, this doesn't say, this literally says nothing like this. You're telling me nonsense. And it, that's like really fun to like, like get on the same page and help a company produce what it truly is wanting to produce. And I think in this industry in particular, when you talk about supply chain, there's so many different areas that you can help consult. I mean, if you're an accounting executive, but you you could do help with back office technologies, like companies like uh, uh, Motive or uh, Triumph Pay. Not saying that they're looking for consultants, but like that's what you could help do if you've worked in the industry for years and you've become very good at the accounting services of a brokerage or the back office of a trucking company. Well, those tech companies want to hear from you because they're building technology for you. And if you come in and say, this isn't going to work because of this, like that could be, you could be talking about saving them hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how long they're going to take maybe that certain route. And my, in my experience, right? Like I really loved 
uh, love tr- ex- helping companies grow from more of that mom and pop buy sell or sorry cradle grave model to the buy sell it's hard and a lot of times that's what consultants are paid to do is to come in and tell you that that hard decision is the one that you have to make and instead of wasting maybe your own expenses and your own leadership trying to figure it out you get a company uh like uh, even to say like metaphor, right. To come in and say like, this is the tech stack that you'll probably need if this is where you're looking to grow and super important in this industry. Cause there's just, it's so capital heavy in order to, to grow your business, right. To scale your business. You need to have that capital behind you that any waste that you might find in between can really uh, hurt that growth and that, that speed to execution. Right. So I think it's, there's a lot of different ways that consultants can help uh, in this industry. And I just find it fascinating. It, it's, it's my way of learning more about problems and trying to help fix those problems and giving my perspective. And, and with so many different people that I talk to, I get to learn about different perspectives and, and, and trust me, like I'm not always right, but I uh, try to, to, find people who I know have different opinions on different types of technology or different types of business models and and hash that conversation back and forth to truly figure out what might be best for some. If you're a mom and pop shop and you aren't looking to grow past like 20 employees, like there are some technologies out there. I know companies are using that are like, you don't even really need that. And like, that's, that's the stuff I think I, I have a lot more fun doing nowadays or or not doing too not doing it now per se but it's something maybe in the future i would uh look into doing but right now i'm just having honestly so much fun making content and uh and and building a lot of what freight waves is, is looking to continue to build and grow into that i know i could do that at the end of the day if i need to kind of like it's like I know I could do some of like the more C-level office work if I, if I need to. Right. But I'm not passionate about it right now. And so this is where I want to be. And so it's just interesting. So yeah, if out there, if you are, if you feel like you've really nailed your skill down and you have an idea of, of how to help others look into that, like look at consulting groups, especially with supply chain. I mean, if, if we're seeing this much investment in supply chain, you can best believe that there's that much consulting going on in the industry as well. So why not check it out? Yeah, people need it. It's it's funny. you As you were speaking, it reminded me of this quote. Alex Hormozzi mentions this all the time. And a lot of his content is, you know, if you want to get rich, solve rich people's problems. Yeah. And it's, you know, and here's like you like with these smaller companies, like my dad owns a small, you know, Kind of manufacturing business it's got like 10 13 employees or something like that there's not much you're going to really con- like there's not much consulting and tech and stuff you can sell them and ways to pitch i'm sure if it was like tw- you know 10 15 years ago and you know he had growth on his mind yeah then he would do that but i mean uh, but now at this point it's just it you know it it doesn't really uh, it's not applicable and there is stuff like that now what's crazy you're actually kind of you kind of put a little egg in my mind. Now I, I'm definitely, I don't try to say that I'm a master. I'm not trying to say that I'm, you know, the most well-informed or like, I, you know, I'm the best, you know, ever, but just from talking to so many people throughout the industry, you're almost dropping a little egg in a, in a, my basket of do, do I go out there and start telling these carriers how, how like how to recruit and retain their drivers? Like, are you, like you're kind of, 
Why I, not? Honestly, you've kind of, <laughs> you know, and we talked before you got on the show how, you know, Blythe and I on her, on her show, we just had a whole conversation about recruitment and retention. And it's like, holy shit, do I start trying to gather data and I go to a medium-sized carrier and be like, hey, you're losing drivers every year. You know, here's how you keep them because I don't think that that's happening anywhere in the industry. You t- you've probably dealt with more carriers than me. How much are they dealing, you know, getting consulting regarding retention and recruitment? Yeah, it, here's actually a perfect example of kind of like what you're talking about too. Uh, and they're just starting to kind of like actually, I think, be vocal about what I think their whole process was the whole time. Uh, BCB Live, right? Rick Larkin, he, do you know who that is? Mm-hmm. So he's he's built this show, right, that he's used to help train his drivers. And to, it started off, BCB Live started off as like a morning show just for his own company to keep drivers educated on where the market was what they need to remember from just like company announcements maybe different changes in operations etc uh and now he's like using what he's done doing that and helping other companies do the same thing because he from just doing that show he saw such improvement in compliance and improvement in insurance costs and improvement in retention and recruiting from drivers that he's helping other companies create the same type of show or experience uh, to, to do the same thing for their company. And that's is a level of consulting, right? Like he's taken this business model. Now he's going to help others implement it too. And you should get Rick on your show. Cause that, that guy wakes up, like uh i think he just eats a bag of coffee and then keeps it moving it's just like if if you think you have energy the two of you together would be fun uh but it's it's that kind of stuff that's really i mean even blythe right is like is doing that too through not only does she have a show that's kind of like the forefront but with that show she can help others too so it's like I think it's just so there's so many ways to do it and the money's out there like that's it's funny like the influencers out there you see on like youtube whatever making millions of dollars at first i'm like how like what are you even doing and now i'm like oh it's i totally understand what's happening now so i would say go for it lumber you you'd be surprised like what people are looking for the expertise and also i mean for a one-time cost they get that without having to bring on a whole nother employee and and they also now get to take your idea and implement it on their own and and all that too so uh, I say go for it. And I think that's, that's kind of like the whole thing where I say, like, I don't think, I think our generation is really starting to tumble down the joke of like being in charge of a company. And like, that's how like, that's uh, like the succession thing, like that show, right. Is funny. It's funny to our generation because who would want that? And when you can create some of your own, LLCs and businesses and we can all work together to achieve a common goal. I mean, that's, I think so much more fun and it allows that work-life balance, but also your for yourself to be passionate. So run with it, do it. I would I'm telling you right now I, I, with your execution style and the, your abilities, I highly doubt you're going to, I don't even want to say fail because at the end of the day, it's, you learn from your failures, right? So why not? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather achieve that failure than not attempt it at all because it it, it is you you are right. I think that there is some benefit out there. You I can get just by reaching out to these carriers 
and, and doing that. I, I love how, how you mentioned that, well, you know, with our generation, because that is true. And more and more, I'm seeing a lot of friends start doing that is trying to do what they can to get out of this sort of rat race. Yeah. And Dom talked about it on episode 69. And <laughs> it's I have to laugh because I said 69. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but he, you know, he mentions this about how people in our generation, if they can do what they do, because what's cr what's crazy is this is actually what made uh, America thrive and grow to probably from you know the early 20th century yes. or late 19th century is these is smaller businesses working together like working together to make make themselves go so when people get into LLCs and you work off of your friends and what they're doing that is how you can kind of grow and what's and where your working hours may go up your your socialization goes up with it because you're spending so much time with people you want to be with because you're all helping each other and I think that there's some there's some real like uh, you know I think there's some real fulfillment and purpose behind that if people get you know find you know whatever their niche is and they start finding their friends and other professionals in that industry and coming together as and getting off of you know being working for these mega corps and just trying to climb certain yeah. ladders there's something there I'm, and I'm glad you brought up Rick because Blythe and I mentioned. BCB because Blythe asked me companies I wanted to shout out who I've heard who are doing good. We went in on Walmart. We went out on this flatbed company called Central Oregon Truck Lines. And she specifically mentions BCB. And I, I live in Central Texas, so I see him all the time. So I, I'm definitely going to reach out to him. I'll maybe send him a LinkedIn message, see if he wants to come on. But yeah, there's there's definitely an answer to a lot of these problems that we're facing with the industry, but nobody's coming, you know, and there's answers out there and people are talking about the answers like, for, you, you know, freight waves, for example, you, you mentioned you love what freight waves does about how, you know, especially, you know, kind of how, you know, from very humble beginnings, freight waves has yet it, things that Craig Fuller says and a lot of the media freight waves pulls out still goes ignored by major media outlets, yeah. even though freight waves to me, it, like and Justin says, this is essentially the Bloomberg of freight news. You still have major media outlets and local news going to the ATA for these types of questions. Oh, what, you know, the, the, <laughs> you know, why are we short drivers? What, what's the Shut issue? With, yeah. Oh. What's the issue with the supply chain crisis? You know, they keep go, the media outlets seem to go right to the ATA, but freight waves has been out here essentially not, not spilling one bit of fake news, uh, not one bit of, you know, falsified data or anything yet. Why is freight waves? So, so ignored on the macro scale of media. Well, I will say, I think that we're starting to get more and more attention. Craig is, as I would say, even in the last quarter, he's been on CNBC a multitude of times, uh, which I'm really happy. I think it showcases a lot of our brand. We've won actually a number of editorial awards uh, over the last uh, quarter as well. Pre-Mac herself brought one of those in just on her own. And I think that I... You know, it's it's just frustrating to me because the best part about freight data is that it's data that's almost three. It's like two to uh, maybe one to two quarters ahead of all other like market movers. Right. Like I uh, and it drives me nuts that people don't pay more attention to uh, what's coming in from from ships to the U.S. because. Again, that's 60 to 90 days of what our economy is going to look like down the down the run, right? And it's it's it is frustrating to me. And I think I think we're starting to get there, as, especially as more and more um, earnings calls. These CEOs are blaming supply chain, right? That's that's ticking everyone's ear up. Um, I we're seeing it now in the federal government, right? The federal government is it 
someone's telling them to pay attention to it, whether it's their constituents or it's someone who's losing some big dollars because of it, uh, or lo- some big lobby firm, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, big, big shippers or something, right? What should we call them? Big ship or something like that. Uh, those, those guys are, are getting the governments now to, to hear from us. So I think we're, starting to get there i was happy i don't know if you saw right the state of washington like just passed that bill for drivers to use the bathrooms i was telling my mother that over the weekend and she's like wait are you are you saying that drivers haven't been able to use restrooms this whole time and i'm like yeah you like a lot like uh, most of the time and she's like and so like even as like just starting to get that news out there i think is is pretty big and um we're we're getting there slowly but surely we're getting there we're we're getting awards for the coverage we're getting even more like i can't tell you how many times even some of our editorial staff has been on local news channels right just uh to talk about a lot of these issues so i think uh especially as we talk about inflation and how our supply chains uh help or prevent that that's going to come more into play we're getting there um and i i think you hopefully you can kind of hear it in in my voice now but that's like also part of my passion right it's like god i would love to be with freight waves when that that real like macro news reporting starts to truly understand where we're coming from uh a little bit more you know plus you got to look at it like someone like the wall street journal they've got so many different columns and so many things that they have to hit right there's they can't spend the whole time talking about it but my God, if we could get these guys to stop saying truck shortage, geez, like yeah, I, that's it. Like, I, I, I'm I, like, who's editing this? Like, stop saying this. It's I, not. <laughs> I feel like we're that meme. I I feel like we're that meme of the guy with the axe, and he's picking towards the diamonds at the end of the tunnel, and then in the next slide, he gives up when he's like one inch for the diamonds. Like, yeah. we're, we're we're so close. Like, I feel like we're that close to. Um, find the media maybe not starting to say it anymore because i saw on twitter today that yeah like yahoo's finally uh you know finally changed it they quoted you know they finally cited what the truck and how they the shortage is is a myth so i feel like we're almost there for getting there but yeah i think freight waves is on the cusp of it um like you said a lot of it has to do with logistics not being sexy like you said like yeah. that's the thing it's not a hot industry you know there's nothing you know we don't have any we don't have any Tommy Lorenz of logistics you know what i mean who's, yeah. who's running around you know looking you know yeah yeah. looking sexy talking about uh yeah you know, the shipping industrial complex that brings, right. brings stuff in so <laughs> may, yeah maybe we'll like maybe we'll get there like i said that's why uh, that, that's why we need to keep talking, having these conversations. I'm, I'm actually really glad you brought up that bathroom thing because um, that uh, I went on the trucking for millennials show and we, and they brought that up at the beginning of the show. And, you know, one of their hosts was, was talking about how, you know, he doesn't, he thinks that that government involvement is a slippery slope. And I can understand people. Yeah. Um, I can understand where people come from, from that point of view. And, you know, Gord and I talk about this all the time and, you know, people who uh, who definitely have more of a free you know a quote free market mind i i get that logic and i understand where they're coming from from it but we're like at, we're at the point now where it's just where it's are, are you kidding like we have we have <laughs> like, i just had you know desiree wood on my show yeah. and she is a you know so we're de- we're talking about now women are being refused by businesses 
to be able to use use the restroom. It's just like, and, and my argument and trucking for millennials was if they don't want drivers to use their bathrooms, then that company should buy their own trucks and hire their own drivers and never yes. have anybody come from outside in. And I get it that there are a, there is a 10 or 20% of drivers out here who are not, they're not well-trained. They don't come from this, you know, the system, you know, the system that's brought them up isn't always that great. You know, you have a lot of these Eastern European outfits that are bringing in drivers who I'm sorry, unfortunately are not trained uh, well and are not held to certain standards and are taught, Oh, it doesn't matter. So yeah, there's guys who leave trash and piss bottles and they'll leave bathrooms empty, but you know, there's no business where the, you know, you're where a CEO goes, Hey, the accounting team can't use the bathroom anymore because you know, the last two weeks we found out that two accountants actually, you know, uh, shit all over the bathroom or something like that. You yeah. know, in no other yeah. world would, would they say that. And I even had this argument at a, with, at a, at a, uh, a shipper. I asked the guy, you know, if I can use the restroom, there were porta johns outside, but they were full to the brim. They were essentially overflowing oh. with shit. They're horrible. These things oh. were like, these things were straight out of a, you know, a horror movie no, and no <laughs> toilet paper either. Now me, I'm a Marine. I could shit anywhere. And I was, <laughs> I was willing to do that, but there wasn't even any toilet paper and, you know, and I get it. Maybe I should have baby wipes. I know. Sorry, I wasn't prepared. But it, regardless, <laughs> I asked the guy if I can use the restroom that was in like the guard shack or something. He's like, we don't let drivers. I was like, hey, you understand that like I that I own that truck. Like this is like I'm actually a, 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 a small business. Like if somebody came here from another business and asked to use the restroom, would you tell him? Would you tell him? No, you know, no, we don't yeah. let you. We don't let you like I'm not just a driver. So just that the idea of that of being you know, subjugated as like, you're, you know, of you're just a driver, like now nah, I'm worth a little bit more, more than that. And it's just set up a system, put a camera outside the bathroom or something. It's just, we're, we're at that point now where when it comes to stuff in the, in the trucking industry for carriers, yeah, the, it's time for the government to get involved because the, like I said, you're going to keep talking about driver shortages and supply chain issues. Let's look in the, like, where are we at? If nobody's solving the problem, Nobody's bringing forth solutions. Like we've gotten to the point now where they're not letting drivers use bathrooms. Like yeah. they're, they're not letting you use bathrooms. And they're like, why well, would, well, how come people don't want to drive anymore? How come yeah. these people are quitting? And it's like, well, this person just drove 10 hours to get to, to get here and you're not letting them use the bathroom. I fucking, you know, of course they're going to quit on the spot. So it's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Get the government does have to get involved. Like, well, no, like where are we at? And well, it's like, uh, I, I mean, the article did pretty well even uh, when we report on it on freightways but like it was a national article about the issue with amazon warehouse workers having to pee in bottles everyone thought that was crazy like that's a, a normal circumstance for a drive so if i told you that 90 percent of the goods that you're consuming on a daily basis was delivered by a driver who pissed in a bottle like you would be disgusted that you supported that brand, but like, we're still letting that happen. So it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me sometimes. Like what, when we talk about, especially even like ESG initiatives, right? Like, Oh, consumers want to know that it's whatever is being produced isn't being produced by child labor. Like, well, boy, can we start even further from, or even closer to you as a consumer, because there's a lot of stuff like this that's happening too. So it's it's just fun and then that and like uh truck parking is like a whole other one like if if you could explain to most americans that if there's no truck parking by you that your groceries will cost more then if most of people would say well find them truck parking right like instead of this whole like not in my backyard well that's fine now your groceries are going to actually cost two 
2.5% more because of it, because I have to deadhead guys in and out of your stupid area in order to make that happen. So there's so many like things that I, I do think the government should get involved with because the consumer is just like not getting it and they're not getting it fast enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped. You bring up that ESG initiative because I, I, I've been trying to put that sort of rhetoric into words is like, cause we see this a lot and ha- you know, happy pride month, everyone um, shout out, shout out to all, shout out to all my, my friends uh, in the, in the gay community. I love y'all. Um, but you know, but all these companies have now, you know, they, they try to outwoke each other for, yeah. for, for pride month. Like they're just, they just rainbowify everything to sell more stuff. Mind yes. you, like they're not doing it because they, because you know, they, they make their shit in countries that still burn and hang gays. Like they yeah. make their shit in China. It's illegal to be gay in China. So, you know, it's all just a, a smoke and mirrors anyways, but they, they make all this rainbow stuff just to sell more, yeah. you know, it's for their own profit. And it's like, but you know, these companies are now at the point where if they don't do it, they're under scrutiny. Here's the real thing. It's like, and all that stuff, look, I don't care what you want to do to brand yourself. Like branding's important or whatever. I don't think you have to over overkill it in that aspect. I think it's really annoying. But regular consumers, how come, like there's always this outrage over whether, like, you know, like the Target stuff going on or the Bud Light stuff. People have this outrage over this product. Hey, you know that a lot of your goods are being trucked by like indentured servants. You know yeah. that these companies are treating drivers like absolute like trash, leaving them abandoned, like, like if people ever found out like people have no they don't care it's the you know this you know, trucks are the invisible hand like they're like oh my god target has a rainbow shirt i'm never going to go to target dude how about let's go back before the sh- let's let's not even talk about the rainbow shirt before the shirt even had a rainbow on it did you know that whoever drove that or whenever whatever port it came out of was driven by a guy who's like literally a fucking indentured servant yeah but, yeah but that yeah that's out of sight out of mind but once the rainbow's on the shirt and target, now it's oh, all hell's got to fucking break loose. Yeah, exactly. you know, where, where, you know, where are our minds at? You know, the reality of the situation, the rainbow doesn't fucking matter. Let, let's go, let's go even, you know, let's, let's peel the layer off on that and really see how it works because there's real people who are, you know, essentially working for slave wages. They're being run by, you know, certain, you know, syndicates of, you know, carriers that operate outside the law. But then even the ones who do operate with it inside the law are these mega carrier arms of the ATA. May they burn in hell. And it's like, <laughs> you know, so so where are we as those ESG? And if it, like I, I was trying to think of what that is, like about how these companies are trying to do all the right things. So they, you know, they have these good social credit scores. And it's like if you go, <laughs> if we peel the layers back on their social credit score, and it's fucking in the negatives because of, you know, just the about the deep, dark secrets going on, you know, in the underbellies yeah. of the supply chain. Well, like uh, let, this could be a whole episode, but let alone go into the farming aspect of any of this. Like that's, I think, one of my favorites as we sit here and uh, uh, let's be honest of uh, most of our food. Most food still needs to be picked. There aren't machines that can go through and pick have you ever seen asparagus being picked before it's like it's a straight up hands on in the ground situation and it's uh yeah i I agree with you talk about like where uh, who's who's actually picking that what are they being paid and we could go into it forever but talk about immigration policies i mean it's not it's not uh the guy down the street that you're it's not your neighbor that's likely picking that it's someone who's lived i mean we have it here in michigan uh at apple season apple season you see uh i've got buddies that live on apple orchards and there's shacks all through the place of 
of migrants. And it's, uh, I would love to see where that, uh, what the Apple would cost if, uh, if we didn't have the workforce that's behind it. So it's, uh, it's interesting. And that's why I, you know, I think when I say that I started going into like my career and life in politics, it's very interesting how much supply chains actually plays into political issues. I mean, we even say it like on the radio, like we don't want to get political in this, but when it comes to the economy and the way that it's moving and prices, et cetera, there's a lot that goes into that. And it's, I think that's what makes it fun too, right? It's like there is a point where your our leaders do have to get involved. And I I think I, I shout at drivers all day on the show. Listen, I used to work for congressmen. I, I you you got it. You can scream all day on Twitter, but that's not where they're looking. You gotta pick up the phone, you gotta send letters, you gotta bombard them with uh like those postcards that thousands of people will send, and they will hear you, but uh, just going off on like a Instagram message or honestly, even like a freightways comment section, like no one, nothing's getting done from that. So I love being able to have this like platform and especially on the radio show. Like we had uh, Todd Spencer on a couple weeks ago for Oida. like, man, he was great. And just being able to like tell people like when he was done, like he just gave you three websites to go to. So whatever problems that you have, you can call, you can call and we can talk about it all day long. I'd love to, but your Senator didn't probably didn't hear this. Unfortunately should, but didn't hear this radio show. So let's all work together and make sure that this stuff gets solved. Oh yeah. No, you're absolutely. Yeah. The, go the government's going to be involved no matter what government has always been involved in supply chains. I mean, Going, we can go back to the Roman Empire and the Egyptians. Like it's, it's the government yeah. that really runs it. I mean, the only reason Columbus was able to finance a journey to the New yeah. World was it was bankrolled by the Spanish Empire, who's yeah. obviously looking to bolster their supply chain. Spain yeah. was looking for an easier route. They obviously didn't know North America, North and South America existed yet. They were looking for easier routes to get to the to the Far East, you know, to get to China. So the only reason why you know why Columbus yeah. ever sailed was because Spain said. I think it's worth, you know, throwing money into enhancing our supply chain. So governments are always going to be involved in it no matter what. And yeah, when it comes to, yeah, doing all the complaining and all the stuff in Facebook groups, that's all fun and it probably makes people feel better. And that's it. You have to present, you have to very much get involved and present solutions to these uh, Congress people or else they're, they're never going to listen to it. And they're only going to listen to, you know, who's ever throwing the most dollars at it. Yeah. No, Oida is right in what he says. I mean, they're, they're, they do definitely put the ball in driver's courts. Like, hey, if you're upset, you know, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. I mean, we're, you know, we're trying to do that at CDL Drivers Unlimited. And it, mm -hmm. and it stinks because I don't like getting political either. I like, like, I, you know, I obviously have, well, I said, you know, last episode on episode 69, I'm obviously a based monarchist, but, uh, you know, a lot of that <laughs> I say in humor, but in real, you know, I don't like getting political on the show because like, I don't want to be boxed into some certain echo chamber. Uh, yeah, and where people agreed. think where people think I'm, you know, one or the other when really there's truth in the middle of everything that yes. I think people don't seem to realize. And I remember the first time I got nervous posting an episode when I brought up the Canadian Freedom Convoy and how I was essentially like I didn't want people to think that I was some sort of anti-vax, you know, uh, you know, Nazi. And then I also didn't want people to think that I was just some libtard uh, <laughs> uh, socialist because. I essentially just I spoke it from the Lex Friedman's perspective of, hey, I think the vaccine is a great medical achievement. I think it's astonishing. We can pull our resources and create this, um, you know, create this medical achievement um, and what it can do. But however, 
I, you know, the Canadian Freedom Convoy is in the right doing what they do. And it was very, and I was still nervous about post posting that episode. But when it comes to politics, like I'm involved with this organization now, CDLDU, and this is going to involve me speaking to people like Ted Cruz's staff. And like, I'm going to like, there's Republicans who there's members of the Freedom Caucus who are very polarizing online. But right now, some of them are our allies when it comes to things like HR 3039, which would prevent speed limiters. Josh Brasheen in Oklahoma. I went to his Twitter profile. He seems to be a very like pro-Trump type politician. And it's like, but so some of these people in the Freedom Caucus are, you know, are allies of what we're trying to lobby for in government. Now, my congressman is sort of a progressive Democrat, and I'm trying to get a hold of him to tell him, hey, I ha we have solutions. It's going to require you to actually start talking to the Freedom Caucus, who you like to argue with online and call, yeah. and call bigoted, you know, and say that, you know, Ted Cruz is X, Y, Z. And look, I don't love Ted Cruz myself. I don't love all of his his politics. But guess what? We're, we're not supposed to like uh, the people in the government. We don't even like them. Yeah, you, know, you need to, They just need to they have a job they need to do. And guess what? It really is. If we are going to live in this democracy or democratic republic, whatever people want to call it. You know, this is the only way we can kind of spark changes instead of just, you know, pouting, crossing our arms. Well, I don't like this guy because he's a bigot and he like or he voted for Trump. It's like, well, that, that's fun and dandy, but they're going to maintain power and do what they want anyways. So it's just like I'm going to have to somehow try to form relationships with my own congressman, progressive Democrat, Greg Kazar. I don't mind. We agree on stuff. We probably agree on stuff with unions and we seem to care about the working class. But guess what? Ted Cruz is also taking the side of truckers too. And look, I, I, at this point, I, you know, in theory, uh, as, as a driver, um, and as somebody who, you know, is trying to be an advocate for drivers, I have a stakehold in the transportation industry. So I can't be looking at political parties. I need to be looking at who's going to help, you know, I, in theory, have an agenda now. So I need yeah. to, I need to talk to who's going to help. It's not really my agenda. It's the agenda that would help the transportation industry, because in reality, if we can elite, if we could solve some of these problems, if we can get some of the surveillance technology out, like speed limiters and ELD mandates, it's going to improve people's lives. I mean, Freight Waves just came out with that article about the ELD mandate. You know, mm -hmm. accidents are up and fatalities are up and the most tenured people have left the industry. Well, when you look at it from the standpoint of mental health, any job in science and research has shown that when you add stress to the workplace, then um, it, it uh, decreases workplace safety. So the FMCSA, by scientific definition, has added stress to a workplace and thus making it safe. So if they're not doing their job, you know, then we have to make people, we have to make the, the right people in government hold them accountable. And yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's, but that's, that's the corner we're in. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I think over the last couple elections, people have gotten really polarized on their side. But at the end of the day, it's uh, I've I've seen uh, the government uh, and I've seen election processes from down to your local uh, commissioners to to clearly presidencies as well. And it's it's. <laughs> Part of it is money, right? How much you have backing you. Yes, that is part of it. But a lot of it is just effort and, and who's out there pursuing and who's promoting and, and everything like that. And so when people say like, you know, look back and oh, see so-and-so one, how did that even happen? It, it happened. People came together and got it done. And 
I think what people get comfortable in the positions that they're in and don't realize that no democracy isn't about becoming comfortable and being able to like sit back and not be involved. It's about show we all have one vote for a reason. And if you're not going to stand up for yourself and, and push what you want your agenda, right? Like we're supposed to, we're literally supposed to have our own individual agendas. That's like the whole point of the constitution is that you, you have that. And so I, uh, I, I laugh actually because uh, I would say I, I lean if I'm, I'm actually pretty moderate. I think people would be surprised by my past voting history, but um, I was, uh, there was one time I was at a democratic uh, uh, conference and, uh, and one of the people I was working for at the time was running for commissioner on a couple of different boards. And he was funny. Cause he's like, he's like, all right, all afternoon, you're going to follow me and you're going to watch. It's going to, this is just a game of capture the flag. And he just goes into each commission, gives a bomb ass speech, wins the president of that, like different board, et cetera. And just does that all day long. And it's just the relationships that he built. Were there more than five people voting for him into each individual group? No, literally like four people showing up for these things. And that's like, I always tell people show up, go to these people's offices, yell, yell at them there. Like that's where they, that's where things will get done. It's I'm not surprised by some of the people that have ran and won elections because they, they showed up and they signed their name to it and they've got the, uh, the signatures in order to get it done. I've been one of those girls that got the, that has the signatures. I also can't tell you how many times I've stood in lines to get people to register to vote and are my age, maybe younger and say, no, just because they just like, don't want to. And it's, so it's like, I think again, I'm into like what God has set forth is going to happen. And if you don't put that energy out there and you aren't going to like, try to change it, even if it's, I don't care what side that you're on. If, if the way that you're promoting that agenda is just by like a Facebook post and then showing up on election day, stop being surprised at, at what happens around you so I, oh yeah i love it the energy is there and uh if you're passionate about it get it done that uh, you'll be surprised what happens when you do i think a lot of us were surprised a couple elections ago i wasn't i went into that day knowing that it wasn't going to end up the way that most people thought it would and when people were surprised i said why this dude got people to show up in masses uh something that that party has not been able to do for a long freaking time. They did exactly what we did in 2008. So I don't know why people get so uh, concerned about like the conspiracy of all that shit. There's no conspiracy. Your lazy ass is on the couch. <laughs> yeah, that's how I, I think I tweeted something like that once where I was, where I had mentioned, I said, you know, democracy isn't, uh, I was like, yeah, democracy isn't going like, uh, isn't just show, isn't just voting one day a year or something like yeah. that. Like, like democracy isn't just showing up, checking a box, and leaving. Like that's yeah. not like democracy is actually being involved in, being involved in different like, especially in local politics. It's going to, it's not only just going to like certain town council meetings when you know they're going to build a patio to, uh, on an outdoor bar and you're against it because of noise pollution. You know, because it's not those town hall meetings, but like being involved in certain committees and like yeah. actual direct involvement. And I believe in 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 reality, if you think about the eras, and I know people are like, "Well, it's 2023, we can't live like that." Mm, 
I, I, I don't think that logic wow. applies because in these old towns and, and cities and local governments back in the 1800s, for example, people were involved in and like were heavily involved in where they were going to build these roads, yeah. what, what stores they were going to have open. It's like people like the entire town was in on it because they all had a stakeholder on it. Now people are just so disconnected from it because, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like, I, there's a long way to fix. Like drain but... drain commissioners are like one of the most powerful people in cities, <laughs> and people like don't even realize it. Like the power that they hold of like building permits and where the water's flowing throughout the city, and that's like in the like the Lansing drain commissioner holds like one of the most powerful seats because so we have this like really awful problem of like where the water all centers like when it rains and so it's like that's the type of stuff i think is fascinating is people are like so concerned about who's in that presidential seat but has no idea who's saying yes to the new chick-fil-a being put in. you know what i mean so it's yeah. like <laughs> i had i had sarah stogner on my show sarah stogner awesome woman shout out she um you know she ran for texas railroad commissioner yeah uh, Texas Railroad Commissioner has nothing to do with Texas railroads, and it hasn't since I think 2005 or something when, when Texas DOT uh, now main, you know does the railroads. But the Texas Railroad Commissioner has everything to do with the oil and gas industry in the state of Texas. And oil and gas in the state of Texas is like two thirds of the fucking economy. But if you like, but people have like the yeah. amount of people who show up to vote in the primary for Texas Railroad Commissioner, it's like. So it's so few people that are the just and who they vote for on the on the ballot for it. Like there's yeah. no thought done. Like there's probably so few Texans who actually care about the, the who who the railroad commissioner is. When really, and she said it on my show, the Texas railroad commissioner is more important than the governor. Yeah, like, because yes. they, they can, like all those permits and leases that have to do with oil and gas, and it's like and no one cares about it. But but they care about who the governor is. Yeah. And like the governor election is what's on the news when the most important election was for fucking railroad commissioner. Yeah. <laughs> it's so no, awesome. I, I love it. And, um, so, you, you know, you're on XM radio now. Yeah. That's what you do. Now, what's, yeah. What's your schedule on XM and what's the future looking like? Yeah. So what's, what's it been like doing XM radio? Where's it going? You know, cause I, I'm, I, uh, I don't have XM at the, at the moment. I used to when Barstool was on XM, but, um, Oh my God. It, I love I, this. Yeah, I do like because that's how I discovered my friends at Hard Factor, and I and I love Barstool Radio. I do love, love them. Barstool. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not like a hater of it, but you know, some people think, oh, XM's kind of, um, you know, they think XM is you know flatlined or whatever. They don't know the future of XM. Is Howard Stern the only thing keeping it going? <laughs> so well, yeah, how how is XM looking over there? I wanna I wanna know. I love it. I mean, here's the thing about our channel in particular, right? Is that we have such a, a great audience and an audience that ironically, right. Gets our channel, like basically for free a lot of times in their job. Right. So it's like, and, and here's the thing about drivers. And I keep telling people this, it's not that they don't like technology. It's not like they don't like big business. They just don't like being not a part of that conversation. And so the more and more that I do the show, the more I realize like uh, drivers like have very great points to make. There's learning that I still have to do on their end. So I love when they call in and have different ideas and different opinions or can even teach me a little bit more about the history of why some of the problems have, have stemmed into what they've stemmed into today. But I, I think my favorite thing, and I'd like to even see more of our audience take advantage of is I really try to work to bring on high level CEOs and people that I know for a fact you would not be able to likely 
be able to get yourself into a room with right and we're here on live radio and this is your chance to call in and ask the chief relationship officer of truckstop.com what he's doing to better your life as a truckstop.com uh carrier right and that's that's my goal is like to continue to bring on some of the the faces that are decision makers of the technology and the the work that uh, a lot of the the drivers are a big part of our audience are are doing now Another thing I've learned though over time is that there's a lot of executives that listen to Sirius XM. I can't tell you how many times I've talked about a company and like not even fully thinking, gotten an email from like a CEO saying, like, I just heard you talking about us. Like, and it's usually positive. It's not negative stuff, but it's it's not just truck drivers. There's a lot of business leaders in there. And I think again, there's also a lot of business leaders who are just drivers right now who are entrepreneurs in the making, right? So I, I like the show because I get, I, I do get full freedom of like how I build it, who I have on. I like to bring on a lot of our freight waves editorial team. Cause God, there are just so many smart people writing for freight waves who have years and decades of experience. Um, so I love bringing them on to kind of share that those viewpoints as well and, and help maybe drivers think through some of these areas too. Um, and then, where I can, right. is just bringing on these people that I know are making decisions that affect these people every single day. And I want to challenge, if anything, I just want to keep challenging my audience to, to call in and, and ask those tough questions when they come on. I'll, I try my best to ask those questions too. Um, but it's, it, it's, uh, I think it's a really great playing field. And I know that people, most drivers have it because if they start with a company or get a new truck, it's usually in there. So if I, at, the, at the end of the day, I want them to leave a little bit more educated. I've got, there's a, a caller that I get all the time. His name is Randy. If you're listening, Randy, hello. Uh, and he, he, him and I butt heads back and forth on a few things. Uh, but at the end of the day, he always, before he hangs up, says, you know, you're keeping us woke and you're keeping us up to date. And I love it. And whether or not I want to hear it, I still appreciate the way that you're delivering the message. So as much as I can continue to get better and better at it that way I can. And, and I also like to have fun with it. It's funny. I was a huge Barstool radio fan back in the day. And so when I, and I used to sit there like, God, I would love, like love to be on the yak or like love to like be on one of these shows. And so it's like, it's just funny now to like see, to like actually have a show. Right. So like, that was like three years ago, just me over like, Oh my God, I would love to have a radio show like this. It'd be so cool. And then, manifesting that in a way has been really fun so uh yeah i hope people love the show i'm always up to hearing different viewpoints or having people on the show that i have in the past so um anyone listening who also listens to the show always reach out to me i'm, I'm down to hear from different perspectives as well no i i, I love uh, the fact that uh, truckers are what's keeping like xm like rolling and uh, they that, are and and i love that um is it, what's great about so technically Freight Waves owns this? It's a Freight Waves channel. Road Dog is a Freight Waves channel. No, it's uh, so it's almost. I think it's kind of like a, a lease, almost like an owner operator leasing situation. Yeah. So it's like uh, Road Dog channel is Sirius XM, and then ne Dave Nemo's on it. Uh, there's different time slots that are taken by different groups and companies. Like 
uh landline right ha does the segment after me so they even have a spot too so oh, okay so the yeah. time slots are are so yes. I, yeah i didn't know like i said I, I wasn't too familiar with with road dog only with your show i had i didn't know that landline was on there too of course oida would get themselves on yeah. there why, why wouldn't they be but uh, it's what's cool i remember during the 2016 election i well i went on a road trip across country in 2016 when i graduated college and i uh was i listened to probably I listened to a lot of talk radio. I, it's funny. I didn't listen. I didn't think to listen to Road Dog because I assumed it was just like a rock station. Yeah. <laughs> no. Is, right. Because <laughs> like, I was like, well, Road Dog. I was like, I don't know. Maybe that, that they probably just play like country rock or something. So I was listening to like CNN, Fox, like all the all the major MSNBC. Like I was listening to all the major news ones. And but there's also Sirius XM Patriot, which is like definitely which is definitely a conservative. I think Hannity yeah. had a show on there. Uh, Andrew Wilkow. And and I the thing is I knew Andrew Wilkow because he used to be a DJ for Radio 104 in Connecticut back mm. in the day. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, this guy, this is where this guy is now. And so he has a show called The Wilkow Majority. And I listened to like all this drama about like the 2016 election. And then I and I called into I called into one of the shows. And that's what I love about XM is the because I called into Barcel Radio a lot too, and we'll get in on some of theirs is that that calling in feature. And yeah. I, one of the, when I called into Sirius XM Patriot once, the first question this guy, because he said, Where are you at? And I was actually in New Mexico at the time. And I was like, Oh, I'm in New Mexico. He goes, You a trucker? That was the first, that was, that was like the first thing he said. I was like, Man, so, so this is, that's how many yeah. drivers are calling into these radio shows. And I was like, Man, that's so fucking awesome. Yeah. And I, I grew up actually. Um, so it's not the mad dog that people are probably thinking of, but there's a mad dog local. Uh, sports show um, here in the Lansing area and I grew up actually my dad would call in every day like he has his own like nickname that they would call him he actually went to high school with the guy and my uncle as well so I got like growing up got used to like people calling in and like we would even call in sometimes on our dad or uncle's birthday to, like give him a birthday shout out uh, but it's just like funny now that's why I love like I, I agree I think it wouldn't be as fun without people calling in. And that's why I push people to call in because I think it, it I like thinking on my toes and I like people challenging me in the now to like come up with uh, like a answer or a thought. And there's a, there's number of times where I'll say, you know what, this is what I'm thinking, but I'm not hundred percent sure I'm going to research this tonight and we're going to hit this topic again tomorrow. And we do, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And it, it helps me even as a writer, right. To understand what's important and learn different things. I think we were talking on Twitter, right. The a couple weeks ago on like deleting trucks. Like I didn't even really know what that was until I had someone call in talking about it. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like a big fucking deal. <laughs> like that's a huge thing. And so um, I love it. And I think it's so much fun. And that's, I, that's what I mean. I'm having so much fun right now is like, are there opportunities that I could take where maybe I can make more money? Sh sure. I think anyone who's willing to, to work hard that those opportunities will present themselves, but I just have, I'm having so much fun right now, building content, making content, talking with our, our freight waves uh, audience and, and getting feedback and implementing that, that and doing even stuff like this, that I don't know when you, it would be lasting. Like what I want to do in the future. I'm, there's ideas there's places i would go i mean to be honest with you if i if i ever left freightways which i don't see happening for some time barstool actually would be my next place to go but uh i uh, other than that like i just i love making content and i love 
talking with people and giving people an opportunity to kind of voice their what they're doing in life and everything too. So I don't know what's next. God's put me in the spot now and I'm just going to run with it until something presents itself that I feel like is worth that opportunity. But hell, I'd love to see where we can grow freight waves. And I think it's uh, an excellent opportunity to really be a part of something I think will be pretty big in the near future. No, I'm with you. Having no plans and not having to have to think about that is actually uh, more freedom than people seem to realize. Is yes, to, yeah. To not have that thought on your mind of what's next, what I want to do next, what are my goals? Yeah, is actually, you know, gives you more freedom and less stress overall. And yeah, me, per I think about it often too. I'm like, is there a way I can box my brand up and sell that to Barstool? Something that has to do with a, a traveling driver who's also, you know, into physical fitness because it's something that Barstool hasn't cracked into yet. But then it's just. I might be like in some ways I still might be, you know, because they're affiliated with Penn now and it's just, am I, you know, would I get fired, for, you know, because of <laughs> something, you know, something I said that, you know, Penn gaming doesn't agree with, but yeah, it would be cool to work for them only because I mean, I've, you know, I've met former employees of Barstool and got people who've worked there and it's just, you know, I, I know it's a great place to like learn and grow and have a lot of fun, but um, Hey, I, I'm, and I can see you doing really well over there too. Yeah. That, that you definitely float on, but I'll tell you what, I'm ready to ride the wave that Freight Waves is building too, because it's definitely, it, it's it's not only is it just, is it coming, but it's here and you guys are doing great work. You're, you've been, you know, I think for overall, Freight Waves has definitely been an ally to, um, you know, the owner operators and company drivers and really the small businesses of the industry and, and just telling the truth. So, I mean, I, I'd say, yeah, what you guys got going on is great. But, you know, before we sign off, though, where can the people find you? You know, what's what's your contact info on socials and when can they listen to your show on SiriusXM? Yeah, so you can uh, check out the radio show every day, Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It replays around, I think, 11 p.m. at night as well, and then once on the weekends. Uh, so you can check this out there. Also, if you have SiriusXM, you can get up to two weeks on demand. So you can always listen to past episodes as well if you not in your vehicle at that point in time. So go check those out. Um, also you can find me on LinkedIn and uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, put in uh Gracie main with freight G R A C I E M A N E L A F R eight. Uh, and you'll see my link tree though. Uh, if, if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll see my link tree, which will get you all my social media pages, all the podcasts that I do, uh, all the articles that I write and stuff like that. And, and watch out too. I'm, I'm actually working on possibly starting a sub stack. So you might see that here in the new future, near future. That will be a little bit more of, uh, just me kind of having fun with writing. Uh, so it'd be logistics focused, but maybe even a little bit more of what's just on my mind. So uh, watch out for maybe that to come here soon, working on that now. And uh, yeah, just excited to be on here and excited. I mean, like I said, it's, I, you started doing this. And I think when we talk about like what we're excited for in our futures, like for me, it's just one step at a time. Like the fact that you started the show Lombard and, and you're growing, you're on, yeah 69 71 episodes right uh that's just see what comes to fruition from the work that you're putting out already and that's what i tell people is like i think people look too far down the line sometimes on what they want in their future stick to what you're doing right now do it really damn good that's what blythe i feel like has really taught me and you'll be surprised what just starts to pop up for you as well 
No, well said. Great place to leave it. That's another thing Hormozzi talks about is do do one thing consistently as opposed to doing you know fifteen different things uh, sparingly. Yes, yeah, that's and I'm taking that's what I'm doing. I'm brick by brick, talking to driver to driver, talking to logistics professional to to the next one. Just always I'm always learning, always growing, keeping these conversations going. Uh, and yeah, and I'm ready to see, see where it takes me. And like I've said many, many times, somebody could take all of my content, copy everything I do, but if the mission gets accomplished, as in the mission being drivers get healthier, um, you know, good, better legislation passes, companies improve their recruiting attention, then I won, you know, whether, whether the money, you know, whether money or something ever came or not, the mission, like I said, somebody could steal it all. If the mission gets done. And that's all that really matters. But hey, drivers or anybody in the industry, if you're listening, reach out to Grace. She obviously wants to talk to you because there's stuff that, you know, the more content, the better. That's the way it is. So go go check her out everywhere. And thank you guys once again for listening. And uh, you know where to find me at Lombard Trucking. And with that, we'll see you on the next one. Take care.